and welcome, Naya. It's so good to have you on, and I'm so excited to finally meet you. I've heard so much about you. Oh, thank you, Virginia. Likewise, and I am so happy to be here. Like I said before, I'm just excited that this is a thing and that you started this, and I am just thankful to be invited. Oh, absolutely. I mean, Lauren told me you were interested and I was like, oh my God, really? I I don't feel cool enough to uh, to exist in this bubble. <laughs> and it's funny, like you could even say that because I'm like, I, since I started in the industry, I have been a fan of you and a fan of your work. And like, I am such a foodie and I, you know, have a culinary background. I remember just you, Lauren, uh, Melissa Chang, there were just certain girls out there that I just really was like, once I get in, I want to emulate that style of excellence and service, especially on the culinary side. So yeah, Colleen as well. I remember I used to screenshot her Colleen tables. Yeah. Oh my God. I love Colleen. She's like a mama to me. She, she and I have these like random calls like twice a year where uh-huh. we'll talk for like three hours. And like, just catch up on life. Colleen and I have been talking and I've been talking about with other people about this, how, so I just left my last job as well. And, you know, it was an uphill battle the whole time I was there of like trying to get things that I needed to stay there and it not happening, but fighting for it continually. And I went out fighting for it and like swinging for it kind of thing, like days off, higher pay, like, you know, help getting contract help, like all of these things. And none of them would happen for me. And I hear from what from what I hear, they're allowing the, the new person that did come in to do a lot of that and get a lot of that help. And I'm like, well, at least they heard me once I left kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I think it's that was kind of fortunate yeah. that they lost you in the process. But at least for the next person, it's like their understanding quality of life matters to us. And, you know, we're deserving of that. That has to be something that you as an owner you know, heavily consider. Yeah. You got to listen. We, yeah. we both shared a lot of the same, we started right at the same time and then yes. we're having a lot of the same woes kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, cause both of ours were new jet owners. And so you almost have to teach them. And if there's a resistance there though, that's where it gets, you know, where you're absolutely. the bad guy. Yeah, Absolutely. Like, why do you need days off? Why do you need help? Yeah. <laughs> Aren't you like a super flight attendant? Aren't you that single? Just... Yes. Like, what oh. else are you going to do? <laughs> yes. I, my pilots reminded me that of that all the time. They would be like, well, we have kids and we're married and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I have a dog. Period. <laughs> I'm a nephew. Like, just leave me alone. It's my journey. I have a house that I would like to go spend time at and not just pass through. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Um, That's so funny, though, that I totally <laughs> resonates with me as well, because it's like, number one, our fur babies are, are our babies. I saw also two, right? Mm-hmm. Love that. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a lot, but I've been very fortunate enough to have sitters that work from home oh, and that are so nice. best with my, my dogs just as much as I am. So it's like I have total peace of mind when I'm gone for a really long time. I love that. When I was in L.A., I had the same thing. I had like friends and neighbors and stuff that watched her and I loved it because she's a little special she's in a, a little anxiety <laughs> uh, yeah she's a rescue so she's a little a little special yeah she needs like, somebody around all the time yeah but well <laughs> Naya congrats on the new job um but Thank how you. did you how did you get started in the industry and like I think wasn't it during the pandemic around now no, I started I 
was in pursuit of corporate aviation in 2016. Oh, I got my facts wrong. Whoops. No, it's okay. It's okay. Um, so 2016, I was in pursuit. I didn't get hired until the end of 2017. So that was one of those things for me where I felt like I'm thankful it happened this way. Um, it didn't come easy. So I did my training at flight safety and then I just hit the ground running in terms of applying. Now, when you looked at my resume, I was overqualified or qualified enough. All high-end hotel, restaurant, five-star luxury hospitality experience, um, culinary background. At the time, I was working privately for different families, cooking for them in their houses. I was also doing a little independent catering. I didn't go to culinary school, but I'd taken extensive courses, kind of a la carte, just paying for it myself. Yeah. Um, over the years that that previous couple of years. And so I was excited. You know, I just thought yeah. this is the essentially like my dream job because I'm getting to um, be of service. And then there's that culinary aspect and see the world yeah. and do it in style on a private jet. I mean, there is like you couldn't put more of like all the things that I would be interested in one job. Mm -hmm. um, but so I started applying and I was getting interviews. Uh you know, companies were flying me out and I was not landing them. Hmm. And this happened probably four times in a row. And I was just in tears and really discouraged. And I'm like, what is going on? Like, what am I doing wrong? And um, there were multiple things that I was not understanding or getting right. And I had to learn that along the way. But also, so like, I'll just tell you a few of the little things. So um, I, I would go on to this interview in full glam with like fair faucet hair and oh. like an outfit that just did not emulate a flight attendant. Like, yeah, I might have looked pretty, but it just wasn't selling like she's ready for this job, you know? And so now yes. going into an interview, I don't care if I just got my hair blown out of the salon, I'm pulling it back and I'm wearing my yeah. hottest makeup and my yeah. nails are kept and I'm wearing a suit and I am looking like emulating what it is, representing what it is that I believe that they're looking for. Um, and it's not trying to just do it my way. So that's one of the things that I had to surrender to, um, oh. that could have been a deterrent, you know, in the interview process. I feel that so hard. Like a, I have had friends that like are new to the industry coming from commercial that I've helped get into the industry mm -hmm. and they're gorgeous, beautiful people, but they want to wear these like, you know, vibrant outfits that make them stand out. And I'm like, that's so great. And it is a great outfit. Maybe save it for like your next event. Um, it is not a flight attendant outfit, even though it might be a suit. If it's hot pink, it might not be the the right vibe for an interview um, for a, a flight attendant position. Um, and then for me personally, when I went to my airline interview and then later on private. But when I went to my airline interview, I so didn't want to be a flight attendant at the time. Like I, I was doing it just to be something in the interim of me figuring it out after a catering job that I had burnt myself out on and okay um I went into this interview in Portland and I had to like cover up my tattoos take out my nose piercing take out my piercings <laughs> yeah slick my hair back and wear like a suit and I was like this is so I remember calling my best friends and being like this is so not me I hate this already um and but then when I started getting into private, it was like almost more of a like pride thing where I was like, I'm actually kind of proud to put on this uniform and be this not different person because it's a part of who I am, but to mm -hmm. wear it as like a badge of like, I'm able to like be this professional person, but also still still be me over here, you know? Yes. 
Um, yeah. And so I really exactly. resonate with that because that's humbling. When you learn that and you see that it actually helps you in your career, you're like, oh, this is what people are talking about. Yep. Yep. But so that was one thing. Yeah. Um, and then the biggest lesson that I learned was I was thankful for the woman at Gamma. I cannot remember her name. Oh, Gamma. But I had interviewed for a position, did not get it. And she said, I'm going to, I don't think anyone's telling you the truth. She's like, your resume, you're more qualified than anyone in the room. She's like, but when you Google your name, there are some things that come up that may make you look like a risk to hire. And so at the time I was so naive because I was like, I've never even had a speeding ticket. You know, I was a, you know, honor roll student grad, uh, honors grad. Like what, what do you, what is there on the internet? I'm, I know I don't have any like sexually explicit stuff. Like what's, what is this that she saw? And it just hit me that years prior I had done reality television and I was a much younger, immature, just kind of aimless person at the time. And so during that, we all are. Yes. But, but here's the difference. I acted a fool in front of the world. And so I had forgotten because me and these people who I had had um, a fight with, we all became friends. We all grew up. We healed. We moved on. Mm-hmm. It just didn't occur to me that those things that we did on television are permanently on the Internet and, could and you. that you would be judged for it. Mm-hmm. And so I remember like calling my father that day crying. And I was just like, this is the one like I haven't even desired a career ever. And I desire this industry so much and I can't get in because of what I did, you know, six years ago. And I was really, you know, broken hearted over it. But at the same time, I was like, this is a consequence. And this is why I tell girls that are just young people in general that are trying to get into this industry, but any industry at all to just consider this. Yeah, you may not ever go on TV, but everything you put on the Internet, everything you send in a text message, everything you put on your social media can and will, once it's sent, possibly come back to haunt you and to be mindful of that. And you will be judged and these companies will comb through your your social media accounts and perception is everything. And it, you may be innocent in what you're posting, but you just never know how someone else is going to perceive it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, ultimately I had to have that wake up call and I had to, you know, realize that it was a consequence of choices that I made in my past. But you know, fast forward, I was like, you know, once someone gives me an opportunity to get into this industry, once one of these doors opens, I'm going to bust my butt and I'm going to yeah. outwork, you know, my own expectations. I'm going to cherish this opportunity and give it 110% and then re rebirth what it is, my the perception of me. Mm-hmm. And so it took years. And, you know, I think that I'm at a point now where uh, my reputation and my rapport in the industry based on my performance and my work and um, my integrity speak for itself to where that doesn't even come up. Like nobody brings it up anymore. And I'm thankful for that, but mm-hmm. you know, I had to do the work. And so my only advice to other, you know, people, um, who are in pursuit of, you know, a career in this industry is to just be careful of what you post, what you put out there, what you say, um, even in an argument with, you know, a friend, a screenshot of a text message, if somebody wants to get back at you, they can send that to your employer. So it's like anything, um, can, you know, pose a threat to what you're trying to pursue. So just be mindful of that. Mm, It's such a good message because like, you know, our parents did grow up telling us that. And back then, and I don't mean to make us sound old, but 
social media was not as big of a deal as it is now. I could only imagine for these kids growing up now how bad it's going to be because I still don't even think about that. Like I am not a social media like like mogul or anything like that. Like I am terrible at social media. Like like Kate Caruso was just telling me that I need to separate like CFA stuff versus personal stuff. And I'm like, but I'm not on either enough to do it. Yeah. Like yeah. I understand the point of doing it, but and I probably should, but I am not there enough. It'd be so hard for me. Um, and like you, something is, and again, I'm not this like person that has thousands of followers. I am just not. And even then, I still get like weird comments where I'm like, oh, I guess, yeah, maybe like I shouldn't have posted this. I don't know. Like me and a friend were in LA and. We were both private flight attendants. We were shopping for her trip and we were shopping in Whole Foods. And we were making a joke about like supporting Daddy Bezos. Yeah. And we posted it. And we were just like thinking it was funny, like catering, shopping, supporting Daddy Bezos. Some I had so many people reach out to me that were like, this is really unprofessional, like broadcasting who you work for. And we were like, whoa, whoa, whoa. We're not like, (laughs) we don't work for Bezos. Like... We were talking about the fact that you thought they, they, that was even like, I got the joke. Yeah. I was, but I was like, okay, I guess I could see that, but also like, is it necessary? But I guess when you get to a certain point, it is necessary. And I can't imagine having my younger self broadcasted like you did. And I, I have not Googled you. Um, so I don't know what's out there. Um, I only care about the person in front of me and you are, are like carrying yourself so well. And I've only heard good things and the transformation obviously worked because you're hustling so hard. And I love to see that in the CFA world. Like it's amazing. Yeah, definitely. Um, the growth is there and, you know, even outside of just, um, being mindful of how I conducted myself in the industry during that time period, I also was like, you know what, this is a good time for me to go to therapy and like mm-hmm. figure out things about myself, you know, we and have to talk about therapy here reflection in the job. I love I'm a biggest advocate for therapy. So <laughs> I feel like that was one of the things that really helped me um, sustain where I was at in the industry and then also just continue to get better and evolve and um, build a rapport that I'm proud of. It really I love that because, yeah, we do. I this podcast could just practically be a therapy podcast, honestly, because I we referenced it so much. Yeah, I, I think it's so interesting. I had a pilot on last week and she's a friend of mine, but she um, she said something that was so interesting to me, which was that um, pilots aren't and I'll have to fact. I mean, I'm sure she was telling me something accurate, but I still like, can't wrap my brain around it, that it's true, is that pilots aren't supposed to be in therapy because it's frowned upon to have like mental health issues. What? So I don't know if that's like an actual written thing or if it's just a stigma where it's like, if you're in therapy, it could be an issue and you could get like investigated or pulled. That's insane. But you're allowed to have substance abuse slaps on the wrist. That's wild. Like therapy is not just about addressing a problem. It's about preventative measures. So, well, and that's the thing I was like, wouldn't you want that? Like the preventative measures, whereas like if it's too late, it's too late. And apparently there's like workarounds, like couples counseling, like where you're going to save your marriage is like a workaround. And again, 
I haven't fact checked this, but you know, I'm sure I don't, I don't know if it's a stigma or like a written thing, but I just thought that was fascinating. Cause yeah, I, the preventative, and I know so many flight attendants out there are working on themselves and always, but it's been really apparent to me. I've been in the industry six years. And so, yeah, probably right around the same time as you actually. Um, and I feel like the last two, three years, you know, probably just like everyone in the pandemic, it became really popular for flight attendants to do the work, like you're saying, to put in yeah. that work and figure out how to, like, I don't know about you, but I've heard so many flight attendants talk about work-life balance more than ever recently, yep. which is great because <laughs> yep. for so long we didn't have it. You know, we wanted that hustle. We thrived on it. I've talked to so many people where it was like, you know, like you get a rush off of like, well, I've been on the road 22 days. Well, I was on the road 30 days last month and then I had two days off and then I'm back. <laughs> That's how we all were in the beginning. It was like you honestly could have just kidnapped us and like put us out on the road and done like a max leg flights every day. And we would have been so happy. We could stayed at the freaking like teeter hole yeah the teeter hole lowest level hotel and just been excited just to yes. be living out of the suitcase you know yep. on a little podium like we would have been fine but as you get older it's like and the more experience you get of course it's like the things that you need it, it, they, they they shift yeah they shift and it's not just it's quality of life it's pay um and i think that's one of the other experience. things that experience um i want more of us to start talking about uh, decreasing the pay gap between pilots and flight attendants. Okay. Yes. I love that. Love that. Yeah. I would love for us to open up that door. Let's start yeah. talking about that. Um, That's a really interesting one where it's like, you know, it's this fine line that people are always going to say they went to school for, mm -hmm. you know, and a very expensive school usually to mm -hmm. get, get to where they are, which is true. Mm -hmm. Bless them. But definitely, like, I think at a certain point, flight attendants should be getting this recognition. And, you know, it's getting closer and closer. I just worked on an account last week where the pilot day rate was, I think, like 1800 a day. And my day rate that I normally ask for, they gave me $200 less. Mm -hmm. and, my, and mine is pretty, like, normal. Like, I think it's industry standard right now. And I got paid $200 less. And the only reason I took mm -hmm. it was because I had nothing else on my schedule. And I was like, well, I mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and I knew I was taking something less and I just had to because sometimes you just do. But I was like, damn, why is the that is such a huge like it was a, almost it was over a thousand dollar difference or close to it. And I was just like, what is going on here? And I worked yeah. the day before, like I did the food on that flight, like there's something not adding up here. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I totally agree. And I get it. Like they take out a lot of loans and like pilot school is really expensive, but they also chose to be a pilot and not a flight attendant. You know what I mean? It's kind of like, I understand that your passion was to be, to steer the airplane, to get it from point A to point B. Yeah. And in order to do that, it does cost more. But in terms of daily labor, yeah, we're out working those boys. Yeah. I mean, let's also remember like these planes are, I mean, they are, um, they are doing a lot and we cannot take do away from anything they're doing. But in terms of just day to day labor, once they go to the hotel, they do a little flight planning and then they chill. What do we do? How often do we go from the FBO, drive in our crew car to the hotel, drop them and off. drop them off <laughs> and be like, give me the keys. I got to go grocery shopping. 
My suitcase is still in the car. I'll use it to take groceries up later. Don't worry. Yep. Yep. Oh, don't forget, like, once the plane lands, I mean, if I'm lucky and I've fed them well and they're happy campers, they might pick up a vacuum, maybe. But they did, are they going to do it the, the way that Naya would do it to the Naya standard? Probably not. So I'm going to do it again anyway. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I always, like, still get touched every time a pilot will pick up and, like, help me clean. Like, Same. still to this day, I make sure to tell them, like, wow, thank you so much. Not every pilot does this because it's true. Like, I can still count i won't say on one hand but i can still count how many pilots in my career have done that yeah you know and i will say i worked for one company where it was expected like they actually like drilled it in the pilots that they had to help best company like it was amazing like after long haul flights they would come back with a rag and like do a proper like flight attendant wipe down take off the trash vacuum that's rare help take down beds whoa and they knew how to do it that's the most amazing part that is incredible i mean that's that is very rare my thing is super rare honestly i don't even necessarily want them to help just don't rush me because especially if i'm turning that plane over to somebody else that is the day where you cannot rush me and if you're a newbie out there and you're listening do not let your pilots turn off the apu before you're ready and if they do Stick it to them. You sweat your ass off in there and get the work done. Do not leave the plane before it's like mm-hmm. ready to go mm-hmm. and pristine. Like, absolutely. Like, that's something that I wish that I had told my younger self. Like, I made pilots stay out there with me, but I also learned how to do the turn or not turn down, but the cleanup really quickly because yep. I had pilots that wouldn't even ask and just turn off the APU. <laughs> and it's like, okay. Well, we're in a hundred degree weather in Phoenix, right? I guess we're going to sweat our balls off. (laughs) Thank you so much. I'm going to go extra slow now. (laughs) You know, it also is like one of the tips I give newbies too. I'm like, you have got to learn the power of cleaning as you go and multitasking. Like I, my galley is 85% done no matter what, when we land. So all I have to do is take the cold storage out. Yes. Maybe put the dishes in the bin. But in terms of everything else, like throwing away certain things, getting everything organized, making sure there's no like random crumbs and drawers and stuff like that. I just mm-hmm. try to do those things in flight um, so that before we land, it's like, okay, now I can work my way from the back, you know, um, yeah. of the lab and then go move forward. If you um, can get your galley squared away, mm-hmm. that saves you 15, 20 minutes, like yeah. in, in takedown. It's something that, you know, there's factors too. It's like, is your trash full? Can you throw stuff away that you don't need? Well, if it's full, okay, have those in one consolidated place. So then you can just dump them once you have room in your, your yeah. next trash or once you take the yeah. trash down so it doesn't break. Um, you know, like put all your stuff in your fridge bag ready to go already if you can. But then there's like, okay, the factor there is, okay, if they're going to ask, for something right before we land you got to be careful you know yeah. maybe keep like one snack out or oh, of course of course yeah you know? but yes that can save 15 20 it, it's always a good day when you surprise your pilots because you're almost done yes and you're and just like <laughs> it keeps them in a good mood i mean there's little things we have to do to schmooze you know so that they just keep in mind like oh she was a great flight and i like flying with her and that's just one of those things that i feel like they always appreciate. They don't understand how much work it goes that goes into it. Like they think that we're just 
little wizards and we just make it look easy, but it's really not. But it's just those things. And like, if you can just be mindful of that, um, it does help. I mean, it's almost as, as useful as going out and having a beer with them, even if you don't want to, you know, just those little things go a long way. <laughs> Sometimes it's all I have. I, I just went contract for the first time in my career. Like I would used to do contract trips for fun on the side uh -huh. of a full-time gig, but now I'm full-time contract, which oh, is a whole new world. It is. Um, and I've never had to do it for survival kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> and so I'm also like an introvert at the core of my being, like core. I loved on a 91 account that they knew me well enough to know that I wasn't being like a biatch being like, I'm not going to see you guys for four days. Bye. Um, on as a contractor, you're networking. So you have yeah. to go down for those. Yeah. And you have to go and be nice. And most of them are lovely and totally yeah. fine. But it's just that extra effort of still schmoozing and still yeah. like putting your best foot forward, which do it because it moves mountains but it just takes that extra like out of you. Yeah. <laughs> Especially if you have your to-do list going in the back of your head of like, okay, well, after this beer, I have to go grocery shopping and get flowers. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, that's so funny. I love that because I'm the same way. Like I'm very social and like I have the, the personality and like I interact and whatever, but truly I am such a like, introverted loner I love to journey the world by myself like all of my travel uh, personally is mostly solo I, one of the things I love about being a corporate flight attendant is like it's just me so I get to kind of journey alone on my layovers I love interacting with my pilots I'm thankful that I work with guys that like I actually enjoy hanging out with because it wasn't always that way like I know the pilots like I was like grudgingly doing it but now I'm like I love the guys that I'm with now yeah, the the pilots on your account have met them, and they're great. Alex is okay. hilarious. Is he not the funniest person? Yes, and his glasses, like he he's just a vibe, a vibe. I met him at um, a flightist party, and no yeah, and he was so funny. It was great. I just adore that man. <laughs> I'm very. I, next 91 account if I can have some good pilots I will consider my life done like if I I'm good yes. I'm gonna stay here for 20 I'm manifesting years. that for you yeah you thank you thank you so much <laughs> um so uh you're also cook on board you're a chef mm -hmm. how so you said you have a like you started out doing like private dinners and then you did some catering and it came into play when you became a flight attendant. Do you cook on board all of your flights? What is that? How did that come to Oh, I wish. You know what? I feel like after COVID, the request for cooking in flight kind of just took a steep decline. You think? Um, and then people were like, hey, it's easier for you to just get me Nobu or some food from a steakhouse. I'm like, yeah, it is easier, but it's not as fun. Just like replating. Yeah. Um, but I tell the girls who are coming in who are intimidated about cooking. I'm like, hey, by the way, most of us aren't really cooking like that unless you're working on a 90 count where they give you the freedom to do it. Um, for the most part, it's pretty much just picking up food, warming it, making it look pretty. Yeah, that's it. Um, but I love to cook for my pilots because oh, obviously I get creative freedom with them. And then I like to make just little things, little appetizers and stuff to offer to the passengers as well and kind of see like what they're interested in now that I know their profile and um, what they like, what they don't like. I can have little things that are just kind of off the uh, expected menu. And I think that they 
enjoy that stuff too. Just when they're like, oh, wow, that's what you were doing in there. That's what that smell was coming from the oven. Um, so I do, especially on the long flights, it, it's something to do. If you're flying from, like I, would, I had a trip from uh, Maldives back to Los Angeles and so I kept nice. myself busy. Those are just eating, making snacks, fattening up the pilots. <laughs> I did a trip from, oh God, I can't even remember in Italy last year, but somewhere in Italy, somewhere, <laughs> to, you know, we had to stop for fuel, like in somewhere in the Midwest and then on mm-hmm. to Seattle. And I made homemade risotto, squid ink risotto, which was like, I love making risotto. It's a love language for me. I can eat it five days a week. Like it's great for me. Yep. Mm-hmm. Making it on the plane is just a vibe. And it's the so fact that you even attempted it is so badass. Like, oh, I've done it multiple times now because it is like one of those wow things. Like it's like a fresh steak on board where it's like you did not just reheat this. And there's nothing you can't reheat risotto well. Like yeah. that is one of those things that then just turns into rice aroni the second you reheat yeah. it. <laughs> and it's like, do I still eat it like that? Yes. <laughs> is it better with a fresh dab of butter on it, fresh out of the pot? Absolutely. <laughs> I did that. And then I did um, fresh pasta. Like I was just cooking up an Italian feast. I was just like, I'm going to do all the things. Wait, you made the pasta on board? Yeah. I, well, because Jamie did it and I, I always try to keep up with Jamie. I'm like, okay, she, she did it. Yeah. I can do this. And the last time I had tried it, was when I still worked for a charter company during the pandemic and it did not go well. It just, things happened and it did not. In the galley, what plane were you on when you made the pasta? A 500. Um, okay. So you had like just plenty of galley space, but like, did you actually put the flour and then the, the eggs in the middle and then, oh my God, that's hilarious. That's so you hilarious. know what's even more sad is my phone died while I was doing it. Didn't get any footage. There's no proof. I believe you though. That's amazing. How did the passengers like it? The passengers didn't eat the pasta, but they did eat the risotto. And the little boy I was flying is the pickiest eater. I'm not kidding. I flew him for two years. It was hot dogs, chicken fingers with a ton of ranch. <laughs> like You needed like a bucket of ranch for this kid. I loved him. Um, yes. He tried the risotto and it became something he would eat. So like the clients would be like, hey, do you have any of your risotto? So then I got like, had an excuse to make it all the time, which was great. Yeah. Um, so that was fun. But the pasta was good. Uh, my pilots liked it, I think. Um, so that was good. That's uh, amazing. Yeah. What was, what's one of your favorite things that you've cooked on board? Like when you're just like, whoa. Ooh. Uh, let me think. There was a time where we were in West Palm Beach area. Me and a buddy of mine went fishing and I got some bluefin. I got some lobster and we cleaned it at their place. And then I carried it back on ice on board and made these. I have a picture somewhere on my Instagram, this beautiful, giant, uh, almost like African style lobster shell. Like, you know, the really big ones, like butterfly. Oh. Oh um, and then the only other thing I, I went to the store and got some uh, stone crabs. And then I made the Brussels sprouts in flight uh, with a skillet and some bacon, some candied bacon. It was delicious. That was like yeah. one of my favorite things. Um, and then I also make these really delicious pulled uh, pork jackfruit barbecue sandwiches for the pilots. Oh. They sc- they scarfed that down completely. That was delicious. I do um, jackfruit taco. And little, oh, the other like desserts. I'm not a big dessert maker. Like I'm not a baker, 
Uh, but I made these mini pineapple upside down cakes that were just like perfectly caramelized, orgasmic. And I I say that all the time and people are like, what, what did you just say? <laughs> I'm really glad to find someone else that has used that word and like <laughs> properly also. Um, I love that. Also, pineapple upside down, pineapple upside down cake. Wow, that was really hard to say this morning. Um, <laughs> they are one of those things that are really underrated like so many people love that i think it can be such a beautiful dessert when done well and yet i think a lot of people think it's this like really cheap and like not fancy dessert but i love it my mom yes. made one and i was like all right this it's is especially cool. if you make it in the ramekin because it comes out so cute and round and like personal like you know personal size so it's like yeah. I loved it. Uh, it's so easy to do. And you could literally just use like um, brown sugar, butter, put the pine, the whole round pineapple in there and then use the Duncan Hines box mix. I'm not even kidding. Tastes just as good as any bakery. That sounds amazing. Mm -hmm. Don't you just love like, yeah, playing around with stuff as a chef on board? Like, I just think that you get just such like a variety of things in your arsenal where then like me and Lauren were talking about this on her episode where it's like you start to do things that's how you start on board and then you just continue to like grow them so that they get better and better and better and you ace these things slowly yeah. and surely and of course you have some that fail like mm -hmm. y'all have those stories like my first pasta making experience <laughs> we will not talk about what happened but it wasn't cute <laughs> oh well let me tell you what happened when I tried to uh poach an egg in a coffee cup and hot egg exploded all over my face, all over the galley. I had to just sit there for five minutes and gather myself. I hear that. Like I had burns from it. It was ridiculous, but it was a lesson learned. I laugh at it now, but like, yeah, you're right. Like sometimes you burn the pancakes. Sometimes things don't yeah. turn out right. It's not a death sentence. You just start over. Yeah. I was also blessed you. I've heard, I had another friend that had the same thing happen when she was trying to poach an egg in one of the collapsible hot water kettles, you know? And she actually like burnt her eye Oof. and had like to do L and I and stuff. Like oh, it was gosh. bad. Yeah. No, I, Careful I know how scary that is. So moving forward, it's like to me the the best way to do it is just to get the burner, put it in a pot. That's in my opinion. And then just do it the oh, way yeah. you normally put on a stove. It might take an extra minute, but it's worth mm -hmm. it. Worth <laughs> it. I'm a safety gal. Like it only takes a few times of you cutting your finger or hand on the mandolin for like you to be like, uh, I'm a little over this at 41,000 yeah. feet. Like we good. We don't need to be playing with blood at 41,000 feet. I'm okay. <laughs> I don't need the first aid kit for myself. I don't want that to be the goal. <laughs> like, I'm not kidding. I'm such a wimp. I'm like, in that regard, I'm so not a chef that's like, oh, yeah, cuts are, like, totally normal. Mm -hmm. I'm not like, into it. I got a cut the other day just from making a coffee. I cut myself on my espresso maker. Oh, and I was gosh. like, well, I'm never doing that again. Oh, like, <laughs> <laughs> it was just stupid. <laughs> Such oh, a wimpy God. chef. <laughs> uh, okay, so... Chef on board, even it seems like you've just accomplished a lot and you're a huge foodie too. Like huge. I've watched your Instagram and I love it. So I have to restrain from commenting on every food <laughs> post that you have because I just like, oh, I miss LA so much for that reason. Traveling, period. 
and you're you're living out my dreams. Yeah. Yes, I am unapologetically <laughs> biggest foodie that I've ever met. Most people have. I mean, I just I have like a uh like a whirlwind romance with food. Love like that. it's transcended just like, oh, she's a foodie. It's like, no, like Ooh, I would transcendent. Yeah. Yeah. Um okay. my friends are like, even the way you talk about food, they were like, this is like sexual. Like, oh yeah. You're, orgasmic. You're, like, you're talking about orgasmic. <laughs> I mean, that's like it's like you're talking Honestly, I don't have a man in my life, probably won't for a long time. I'm okay with my food taking that place in my life it's a placeholder for the moment <laughs> no it really is <laughs> balance it out with some exercise will be golden same girl <laughs> uh, what what i i was just talking i just interviewed someone yesterday from london and i love her she's a caterer in london um ex-flight attendant i love her as a person she's amazing um and so london comes to mind have you spent much time there you guys maybe a total of like eight days in seven years. So not oh. a lot. I haven't really had time to explore the food scene a lot. Oh my gosh. When you go, you message me because there's one that I feel like it just jumps out to me when we've been talking because of the vibrance I've seen you post in like the food places you go. Um, and it's a very popular, like, you know, very nice restaurant. It's called Chiltern Firehouse. And let me tell you, I went there twice in one visit because I just like craved everything I had all over again and like everything from the cocktails to the sommelier that helps you pair your wine with your yes. and then the presentation of this food it was just like one of the best experiences I've had in a long time and I mean this was like a year ago yeah <laughs> or like nine months ago I, I love getting inspiration from that. Is that kind of like what you do as well? Like, do you go to restaurants and you're like, ooh, how can I like take this and take it on the Oh deck? my gosh, girl. I'm the girl who flirts with the chef or the bartender so that I can go back in the kitchen and like watch <laughs> them do their thing and then like buy them a drink just so that they invite me back tomorrow. And usually if I find a fabulous place, that's where I get my catering from. And I'm just like telling the, the passengers, like, just trust me. Especially if it's a long flight home, I'm like I know what you like. Like, there's this restaurant in Portofino called Zeferino, and was well, actually in Genoa, but we were staying in Portofino. And so on our way back to the airplane, we stayed in Genoa one night, and this restaurant is exceptional. I mean, it was the the catering. Wait, this was what's the Friedrichs and family that were out there for a big wedding that week. They all wanted they're catering from that restaurant. And so I heard that through the grapevine. I'm like telling my pilots, like, we got to go check this out. And it was so incredible that we ate there two nights. And then that's where we got all the catering for our clients. And they just loved it. They're like, how did, where did you find this? I'm just like, I love when that happens. Oh, when you um, want to go back immediately. Research. I'm like, yeah, I'm eating like being like a, a filthy glutton, but I'm also doing food research for the clients. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Food research and food like research for like what, how can I recreate this? Like yes. there's so yeah. many like moving out. I, and I love that you used it for catering too. Mm -hmm. Like that's a double win when you pick a spot for dinner and then you're like, actually, I have a brilliant yeah. idea. <laughs> also, was that recently? This was last year, almost to the date. I think I saw that on your Instagram because I'm pretty sure I, the name is sticking out and I think I saved it because whenever yeah. I see someone post somewhere that I would like to go, I 
go in my maps and I mark it as my favorite. So then when I go to that place, yeah, it'll pop up and I'll be like, oh, I must have saved this for a reason. That let's go there. Yes, because <laughs> you know what? I'm sure you'll probably end up in Portofino. You know, that's like a hot spot uh, in the summertime. But it's in Genoa, so I believe the closest airport that we would fly into is Genoa, and then it's it's like it's really close to the airport. So even if you don't stay out there, I'll send you the name as well. Um, you can always just you know call them. The owner is yeah. like a friend, so he would be so excited to facilitate like anything you need. He'll be like, "Hey, come in for dinner. Just like have dinner on me." And I love uh, that. What you need? Mm-hmm. Don't you love like friends on the road that you make, especially foodie friends like that? Like it. It's just such a fun thing to be like, oh, my friend that owns a restaurant that I ate at and I met him on the I I love that about our job. Like, I'm not super great at it. I'm not going to lie just because Mm -hmm. I am an introvert at like the core. But like, I I, I find them here and there, just not as often as most flight attendants. Yeah. Oh, you're probably thinking of Nespo in Nice, France. Oh, am I? Is that? That restaurant just wowed me. I mean, it was... I was telling uh, one of my other friend, flight attendant friends, Saria, she's there now. And I said, promise me you're going to go. I called the owner and I was like, listen, my girlfriend's there. She's table for one. It's just her. Like, she's not even bringing her pilots. I'm like, listen, she needs the, like, the full experience. And she just loved it. Nespo is real. That's my favorite restaurant in Nice. Oh, I haven't been to Nice in years. Last time I was in Nice was like beginning of the pandemic where you couldn't leave your hotel room. Oh, so nobody was even there. Nothing was happening. Nothing. Yeah. But. Last time I was there, so sad. Yeah, but, I hope you get to go back soon. Oh, me too. It's gorgeous there. Yeah. I, You said something that I would love to talk on for a second. So eating by yourself. Yeah. do this all the time. Like, it is my favorite thing. Mm-hmm. I also, I have a harsh opinion on the treatment when you eat by yourself. I'm okay. like going out to eat by yourself and how the wait staff or how like the chef or how people treat you sometimes like you're when you go to probably Nespo you get treated really well Mm -hmm. I have so many videos of myself that I've restrained from posting on Instagram because no one really probably wants to hear about it so I'm going to use this as my chance so many people like 90% of the time they don't treat tables of one very well because they're like I'm not going to get a good tip she's not going to have a good time like she's just here to eat and be done and is completely the opposite for us. It's like, if you treat me well, I'm going to give you a really good tip. I'm going to like get to know you, your kids and your husband. Like, just let me know that you said that. And then, but also it's like, you don't know. I typically love to order like an appetizer and an entree. And then I like to play around with like a cocktail and a glass of wine or like, what's your recommendation? What's this? Like, maybe I'll take something home to my pilots or to eat later. Like I could be your greatest ticket that night. Yep. But if you ignore me, we're not going to be friends. And if I sit with like an empty plate or like you bring my food and you don't come check on it within the first five minutes and I need something, nothing will make me more mad. And same thing with like an empty drink. I sat here and had a whole nother drink in the time it took you to come check on me again. Yeah. And now I'm going to out of spite not have one. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like sometimes it really ruins your night because you know, I, I totally get, especially if it's something that you, it's like a habitual concern that you're like, okay, this has happened before. This is kind of a reoccurring thing. And it's like, now it's like a tick in my head. <laughs> and especially when you love, it's something you love to do and they don't know that. And it's kind of leaving a sour taste in your mouth. The one way that 
I try to avoid that whole situation from happening because it, it has happened to me. Um, I sit at the bar. I feel like yeah. bartenders take care of solo diners better. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and there's certain cases where there isn't a bar. Um, yeah. But I just try to offer like maybe a little energy, a little laugh, a little joke. Like, hey, I'm here to party. Like, I'm ready to feast. Yeah. Like, <laughs> give me your best, you know, if I'm sitting at a table so that they understand that, like, hey, like, I want you to like, you know, show up too. Um, and yeah. like, I always just say things like little things like that. Like, oh my God, I'm starving. I cannot wait like to try this whole menu. Like, just bring out everything. Like, you know, just yeah. little things. So that they're more open them up, kind of just in a better spirit, if you will. Um, and Not we should another do that. I feel like if you're in service, like you should, you know, treat every table as if it's your big ticket table um, and have the same enthusiasm. It's one of those things that just can't be taught. You either have that passion and that like um, wherewithal or you don't. Yeah. So um, but most of the time I just like to sit at the bar if that's if I, feel, I check out the vibe, you know, what? don't you like go into a place? You're like, what's the vibe in here? Like if there's only around, I've walked in the door and I've like walked out. I did that recently. I felt I still have such a struggle with it, but I've learned that I would rather do that than be unhappy during the meal. Like you're paying for the meal. Yeah. Go where you where you feel embraced, where the energy feels good. Mm -hmm. People are excited to be there, excited to serve. Um, And we deserve that, especially us, because that's what we give out. And we deserve to have that, you know, in return. Yeah. I've also done it where like, you'd get chicken like halfway through where, you know, you go and you sit down at the table and you're like, I don't know if this is the vibe. Like maybe it's not as good as I thought it was going to be. So you like either just like order like a glass of wine or you do like, you know, a cocktail and like an appetizer. And then you're like, actually, I'm good. I'm full. Yeah. Let me go to a different restaurant. (laughs) I'm going to meet my friends over at this other place. I'm sorry, but I'll be back. I just was so hungry. I needed a little snacker. (laughs) My bad. (laughs) I'm going to double eat tonight. Yeah. But you know what? So that is one of the things that I, um, so I wanted to kind of rebrand my platform into just really showcasing the beauty of solo travel and like even solo dining, if you will. Um, but I think that you and I obviously love it. It's our preferred way to go, but a lot of people, especially flight attendants, if you're in the industry and you're going alone because you're not with your pilots and they're like, Oh, well, what am I going to do? I don't want to eat by myself. I'm intimidated. I'm like, you're, you're looking at this from a completely wrong perspective. Yeah. What number one, what I tell people is nobody's laughing at you because you're eating by yourself. Nobody. Like that is just such a completely made up thing that like almost like a childlike fear that we've a boogeyman that does not exist. If anything, they're like, damn, sitting by yourself and saying, oh, my God, look at her. It's like nobody gives you know what I mean? Nobody cares about you that much to be worried about why you're sitting alone. If anything, sometimes more than likely, especially if you're at a bar, people are more inclined to engage with you, offer you a drink, pull you into their party. Those things always tend to kind of happen when you're just, you know, light and, you know, excited and happy and kind of, you know, just putting yourself out there. But if you want to have a quiet dinner where nobody bothers you, you should not be intimidated by that, by going alone, thinking that anybody cares, number one. But two, like, it's just not a thing. It's not a real thing that people are, you know, are uh, looking down on those who are like by themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, cause I've heard women say that like, well, what do people think when you're by yourself? I'm like, what do you mean? Like, usually when I'm by myself, someone, especially abroad, because I mean, you know, everywhere we go, people are just way more friendlier than Americans. <laughs> Accurate. I always end up having a good time and, you know, being invited to, you know, hang out with someone else or the bartender, you spark up great conversation with them and you just never know 
um, where that experience can take you. So I just say, don't, don't do it, go forward in fear. And if you're awkward, I am the most socially awkward person ever, but I embrace my awkwardness. I allow myself to like laugh through it. Like I literally will just like laugh at myself if I just feel really stupid yeah. anywhere. Um, and then laugh. once that feeling passes, it's over. Yeah. Laughing at yourself is one of the best things you can do in life. Like yeah, it, it just gives you this whole new permission on life. Like it really does. Also, I love just like, don't give a fuck. I love that. Like, and that goes not just eating by yourself, just being on the road by yourself, like what you're talking about. Don't give a fuck. I had to tell mm-hmm. myself this finally when this is a terrible example. <laughs> I'm regretting starting this. <laughs> I recently gave in. This is so stupid. I recently gave in to like wearing like leggings or joggers <laughs> like on the road. Uh-huh. Oh, girl. I, that's preferred. Because I was. Yeah. And I and I, you know. I wear it 90% of the time, like when I'm at my house, but I was never like on the road. I'm like, oh, I want to like give off this like flight attendant persona that I like have it together and wear these nice things or what. I don't know. But I finally gave it up and I was like, don't give a fuck. Like I'm comfy. I'm going to wear my baseball cap, my joggers and my oversized shirt to go catering shopping or whatever. And it's like, why, why do I care what anyone thinks? Like, and I mean, that's a super stupid small example but i get it it really took something in my head just recently to be like why do i care i'm not gonna ever see these people again like why do i care and And you're not once you leave that plane you're you take off your professional hat like you can let your hair down and be who you are and and wear those sweatpants and wear the the like sometimes sometimes i walk around what a nice little tank top maybe don't even wear a bra, some <laughs> leggings, denim shorts that are old as shit that have, like probably haven't been washed in a couple of cycles. Right. I don't understand people that wash jeans after one wear or nope. just maybe all clothing in general. I don't understand that unless you're like sweating laboriously. I am not like that. I'm definitely like a sniffer and go. Yeah. Like, like does it pass the sniff test? Okay. Cool. Can I douse this with <laughs> enough perfume that it doesn't matter? Great. <laughs> I think I, I'm the laziest person ever. Maybe that's going to get me a lot of judgment, but I no, I don't give a fuck. We out of a suitcase and we don't have a like wash and dryer that's like right there in our apartment. You know what I mean? So it's like, of course, like it's going to get multiple wears. <laughs> I am also not the one of those people that's going to go do my laundry at a or like only an emergency. On mm-hmm. yeah. Emergency. Like I had a pilot just do it on a seven day trip and I was like, huh? <laughs> that's like at like the like 10 day mark for me maybe yeah maybe maybe and that's like if you've been wearing like multiple outfits a day or something but like for the most part now yes um i also just want to end with too just like i love what you're saying about solo travel and i honestly would love to have you back to talk more about that because i love the start of that conversation because it's so true like some of my favorite nights are those nights or days where you opened yourself up to like not really having an agenda, getting lost in a city, like talking with someone. Like I, I'm a former barista and I once in London talked with this random shop owner about how I was barista. I got a job offer. He pulled me behind the counter and had me making lattes for a few people to show him how to do lattes. 
on this gorgeous espresso machine. Like it was an Italian, beautiful brass espresso machine. And like you get experiences like that by opening yourself up as a solo traveler. And never going to get those. I mean, we all have Netflix and chill days. Like, don't get me wrong. Of course. Like you got to listen to your body. And that was one of those things where I had to, again, work on myself a lot with because I would constantly like run myself ragged because I would be like, okay, I have to go out and get this, this, and this done. And like, I want to go see this monument. I want to do this. I want to get this picture here and like try to cram it all over like every layover. And I had to get to a point where I had to tell myself, is this what my body needs right now? Or because I'm leaving Mm -hmm. in 16 hours, do I need to like stay in my room and rest even though I'm in a beautiful city, you know? And I know that that might not be like the most like wonderlust idea out there, but at the end of the day, these are also our jobs. Yeah. And so sometimes you do have to pick those like Netflix and chiller sleep days or whatever, or spa day in the hotel, yeah. whatever yeah. it might be. Um, but I also do love that idea of like, let's bring back like the solo travel of it and like embracing it, you know, but also embracing the other side of it too, where it's like, yeah, I'm going to be here again. Totally fine. I can get that next time you know? (laughs) Yes. Yes. It is like finding that balance is so important. And at the end of the day, it's like, we have this amazing opportunity to see the world because our job is taking us there. Um, But at the end of the day, our primary, you know, objective is to be a service to the passengers to, you know, take care of them in flight. And so like, we'll have our fun and there's moments for that. And then there's times where it's like you're in Turks and Caicos for 48 hours and there is no time to like let your hair down. Yeah. Um, you know, and so you just know that, hey, I'm coming back on a longer layover and that's when I'll have my fun. Um, like even for me, like if I have, let's just say like a four day layover, that first day when we touch down, that second day when we touch down, those are my days for fun. That yeah. any day prior to the flight, I shut it down. It's yeah. all, you know, getting prepared for the flight. Um, and I've done that because in the past there was a time where I didn't do that. I tried to extend the fun until the third day and get my responsibilities in order. And it was the most grueling flight ever back home because I was tired. Yeah. Probably even a little hungover. And it's like, after that, I learned my lesson. Like, no, like I can't be my best, um, for our passengers. If, you know, I'm not completely just devoted to prepping the day before. Um, your anxiety is higher because you're like, how am I going to pull this off? Do I have everything? Did I remember everything? Did I fit everything that I needed to get in in that like shortened time that I gave mm-hmm. myself now to like, yep. you know, I totally agree with that. And I mean, there are so many things that, you know, wish you could tell a younger flight attendant itself. <laughs> um, and, you know, we all still have the exceptions to the rule, but, um, you know, those are very valuable. And again, maybe we should have a whole separate one of like, do's and don'ts I would love that Naya I have loved getting to chat with you I've been told that we would be kindred spirits for a while <laughs> and we had such a hard time getting to where our schedules lined up but I'm so happy that you I, need time for this and I'm so- I am too I'm so happy that this I mean you I know Lauren told you like I was like no I need to be on there I want to meet her and, like I'm so excited I love this um and so I'm just thankful that our schedules aligned to where, you know, because I mean, it was hectic. We were trying to do this last week, um, but I'm yeah. just thankful we were able to actually do this and not feel rushed. And it would be an honor to come back. You know, oh, I, I love this. I love what you're happen. doing and I want to support in any way. Oh, thank you so much. That means a lot. We're a work in progress here, but yeah, I love it. I love being a part of the beginning of it, too. That's the beautiful aspect is like this is the beginning and what this is going to become. Like I can already see it. It's such a good thing. It's so needed. And 
um, I'm thankful that, you know, you had the courage to start this because sometimes just starting something extracurricular is like, it's scary and you don't know. And we're, we always try to be perfectionists. And it's like, this is a place where you can be so imperfect and it will work out, you know, yeah. for the best. Oh. Have fun with it. Thank you. Thank you.